Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Stage here, 5280 Geek, in the Colorado Festival of Horror, 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 Ho, Ho, the Colorado, Colorado Festival of Ho, Ho, whole lot of Ho going on, whole lot of Ho, <laughs> Ho, Ho, Ho. I am graced and in awe of Carolyn Williams oh, God. right here. We Dude. have had some adventures, so I'm for the entire Betty week, Davis. yeah, you're prettier than Betty Davis. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Davis is a little used up, and you know, just kind of, you know. She's really used up now, dude. In fucking France, she's in like a box. Yeah, they somewhere. got. She's like in one of those big cases they put the Pope in, and the people just come in and just like oh, look through the little window. Yeah, they covered her head in wax. <laughs> she's got a cigarette in her mouth. Yeah, I mean, you can still see the nicotine stain that's like on the bone. It's like, oh, that went right through. Oh. <laughs> You kidding me? <laughs> so this has been an incredible week. You came in Thursday night and surprised us. I did. And you I came did. to the Alamo. We watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's it. Those are your boys. And and you got misty. You you had a little piece of sediment, you know, like sentimental coming out of the eye there. It was so wonderful. Well, you know, but the, I, I mean, it is. <laughs> and now I'm doing it again. See? I'm First, I, I go, again. I get you laughing, and then I bring you to tears. <laughs> you know, um, a movie can change your life. And that movie changed my life. It set up the rest of my life. It set up this film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which I am known for. That's, you know, it, it doesn't matter what else I'm going to do ever. Because right. I will be stretched, and there she will be, sitting the tombstone, legs apart, with like a head. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't, I can't think of any better position. I mean, just you know, you know. Well, it is a fun position because for me, when I was thinking about styling the the photos, because I am like that. Right. I'm a bossy babe. Um, I thought to myself, one of the key, most important moments in in the movie is I'm in that tub of ice, and the, the saw is traveling up my leg. That's the money shot, dude. That's it. That's where the, that's, that's the wad. That's where it is. Go, Sorry. Go for daylight. I'm just saying. And I thought, you know what? We need to let that be kind of a signature hook right. in the photo op, because it's mostly men who do these things. It's not saying women don't like it. They do. Men, it's 18 to 54. It's, it's men 18 to 54. So, um, yeah. And uh, it's a big laugh, and it's a lot of fun. Well, it's fun that you're able to work within that, because there's, I mean, I have interviewed celebrities, and some of them take, I'm a serious actor, and, you know, they take themselves too seriously. And given the horror genre, you never know which way it's going to go, because they're the ones that are very, very dedicated to the craft and, and this. But you have fun with it, you interact with the fans, and you've been absolutely glorious this entire weekend. Thank you. What is, what is like... What's your big takeaway from this weekend? Because I know besides the fact of the photo ops, and it'll be on the website, trust me, uh, my photo op was 
Brilliant. Instagram, Twitter, X, <laughs> Facebook, which I am not on. But hit all of those puppies, dude. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to do the right. I mean, it may be my new profile picture for, for a while. <laughs> just saying. It should. It's it that looked good. like I was giving birth to you, dude. It's, it's just like, no. It looked like I was like, push, push. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at the coconut on that kid. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been fun, and besides the Alamo, what, what's your big what's your big hit for this weekend? I I mean, this is the way I see it. Just overall, number one, the fact that convention life has been so incredible, specifically to horror. Uh, you know, you're not going to see fucking Harrison Ford at one of these things. No, oh, no. No. No, 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 and you're not going to see a lot of the major box office stars doing shit like this because I feel like within horror since the 50s since the universal monsters the genre has had such a extraordinary roller coaster ride of development mm -hmm. from the nihilism and, and 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 gore of Rob Zombie to Terrifier to change so I mean you've got these extraordinary filmmakers who make their initial bones in horror by the way Right. Okay. It, talking about the very serious, I'm a serious actor. And yes, I'm a serious actor too. I can act opposite, in, in my estimation, and I might be a little overconfident, I can act opposite anybody. And I can hold my own, and I can put on a good fucking job. And you absolutely have done that with like a lot of your films there from one end to the other. I mean, your most recent one was Renfield, which it was so nice to just kind of see, you, you know, just kind of peek in there. But I wasn't... I, I actually sure. had a big bark and dog roll. I bet you did. I was the poodle bugging the fuck out of Aquafina. And I had some oh. wonderful... I know. And Ben Schwartz. And, you know, I had a great time and I did good work. And Chris McKay, a prince of a man, by mm. the way, who's the director of the film, called me on the phone and said, do you want to come over to the office, which is like 10 minutes from my house in Burbank. He said, the producers did a cut. <laughs> Never and a good way to start a sentence. It is. It's like go tie off in the bathroom. <laughs> Bring me Walk the dog. Towards bag. the light, Carolyn. Oh, I'm coming, mommy. <laughs> They're after me. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's deeply disappointing. But the guy had enough class to bring me in, let me see what my scene was. It was even smaller once I went to the movie theater. It's like they, you know, you know, it's Universal Studios. Who am I to say? I mean, the film is, I mean, even though we don't get much of you in it, I mean, the film is great itself. I the mean, film the whole is great contrast. Itself. But my, my gripe with the film is they overemphasized Nicholas Holt and Aquafina being a potential romance now. Yeah, that didn't mean Anyway, and, uh, and, and did not give us enough Nicolas Cage being fucking Dracula. Right. When you have Nicolas Cage being Dracula, what do you do? You let him be Dr Dracula. Oh, yes, you do. I mean, the whole opening tribute, though, to uh, Nosferatu and how they captured that pretty much almost scene by scene and how that whole opening sequence laid out was, I mean, that is just brilliant and beautiful. I did see other footage that had been cut. And Chris was kind enough to let me see some of this stuff. Ooh. 
and it was just heaven on celluloid. I thought this, I hope it shows up. Uh, you know, in the in the in the director's cut type of thing. Yes. Well, you you may live on in you know video release. I think they've already got it out. Yeah. They rush this shit out. I mean, just quick like an E train, and it just uh, yeah. So yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. Sorry. But I love acting. I love being an actor. Um, I'm I, these days. I try to choose the things that I do, and I'm not being a snob. It's just. If something is not appealing to me, and if right. somebody doesn't have any money to pay me, I'm not doing it. So well, I mean, yeah, you can you know, so show up and just you know give it your all and just say, okay, well, thanks. There's a lot of bad shit out there, and and, and if and viewer, you know, it's all over the map. Viewers seem to love a big cross cross, you know, section of of work. It's just you know, this is it. I'm 66 years old. I got to make this work for the rest of my life, which is going to go by pretty fucking fast. I think Ferris Bueller had a quote about that. Yes, he did. Um, so, and I got I got suckered, and I got to say this because I was just like, uh, I'm a huge Thirteen Ghosts fan, and on your table you have these oh. glorious pictures, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, really, you're you're the the princess, and and I had to like go back because I'm just like kind of screening through. But the story behind how you end up with the picture looking like the princess from the 13 Ghosts is tremendous. And we were talking about it over there. And I think these people would love to hear how you ended up becoming the princess and not in the movie. You look better than the, uh, the actress that played her. I don't know. I loved her. I mean, she did do it. I'm so sad Ooh. we never got, like, the story behind the ghosts because I know that was always, like, a rumor and all of that. But we never went down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, the reason I ended up doing that photo shoot is my dear friend Jeremy Saffer, who is one of the world's most famous rock and metal photographers, he has, he has photographed every single star that there is to photograph. Um, when we were thinking, when I was thinking, I've got to reboot my career, what do we do? Um, Jeremy had shot some candidates of me at a con in Boston. Um, and he said, let's do some stuff. Let's play. Let's have a good time. So I got my dear friend, Greg Leitner, who's extraordinary. And we decided, you know, he, 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 Jeremy's been putting together a corpse paint book, which is now out, Daughters of Darkness. It's an extraordinary book. Corpse paint is very specific. It is full body generally, and it is totally nude. You cannot wear a little thong or a little bikini or anything. So you're just walking around starkers. Just baby. It was everywhere. <laughs> All over the freaking place. Had to do tucking. Had to do some tucking. So, I mean, it takes a certain level of confidence because, I mean, the shoot is... Which I did not have. The thing is, is the, 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 the amount of work and the breadth of possibilities, and I have my clothes on in some of the photos that I've done with Jeremy, um, it's just, I, we've kind of refined it down to what we know people will likely want. The Daughters of Darkness coffee table books, I can't bring with me on trips because they're huge and heavy and it's, it, it's not to be done. But um, it was February, probably nearly seven years ago. No, 2017. 2017. Okay. So, right, fairly recent. Fairly recent. And... Um, Jeremy said, if you want to reboot your career, women, women your age are not getting naked. 
women your age got naked a long time ago. They were in their 20s when they were starting their horror careers. Right. And, but you've never done it. So why not? What? <laughs> Embrace the naked. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it just for shock value. So people will okay. go, oh. And half the people will think it's great. And half the people will go, ew. But it, Where did you end up on that scale, though? I mean, was it liberating? Are you like, uh, I'll do it again? There's a, a shot of me. And my hair was still brown. Yeah. I hadn't gone blonde then. Um, there's a shot of me um, where I'm holding the saw. Right. Yeah. Strategically. Strategically. And it's a big-ass saw, and it's sticking up into the air, and I am wearing cowboy boots. Save a horse. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, really bad joke on that one. I, it's uh, funny. That was easy. Sorry. But it's funny. <laughs> Should have said no. Um, <laughs> the career that you have had, are you better as a victim or a killer? I don't think I'm either or. I think I, my, my characters mostly have existed in that weird little nether world. Where is this going to go? Right. Which was the one that you're the radio talk show host? or on there? Um, Chainsaw 2, silly boy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And... And the thing is, you don't know where that's going to go. Because in that film, number one, we had no rating when we were released. We were NC-17. And it wasn't because, and I'm not naked. I'm wearing clothes. But I'm sitting in the tub of ice and the thing and the uh, you know? Right. Yeah. So um, because of that shot, uh, the MPAA would not give us a rating. What? What? Well, I mean, I think it also carries the stigma with Texas Chainsaw, because, I mean, the first one outlawed in I don't know how many different states. They just got it in Germany like five, six years ago. Oh, so, yeah. So, I mean, the, the story arc for the film itself is amazing. So when you're at doing these cons, and I know there's the, uh, the theorists, the conspiracy theorists, well, oh, I know the guy that's still running in them hills, you know. Do you get that when you're doing, you know, cons or you get like the over-enthusiastic fan? Well, I mean, it's not so much the over-enthusiastic fan because people are very respectful and they're very nice. And, you know, they're into the, they're into the whole thing. They, they know what everything's about. But, um, I mean, when you watch those true crime shows. Yeah. I honestly think true crime is now happening because of Texas Chainsaw. It is the new horror porn. It is horror porn, man. And, you know, they used to pixelate out the dead bodies that were laying in the crime scene photos. No, now they're just like, please avert your eyes or take the children out of the room. We're going to show you this whole thing. It is so, man. So it's like, I just feel like, you know, they're almost taking the lead. And, and uh, you know, Terrifier... It was okay. So here's a terrifier thing. Okay. So here's terrifier. I mean, that's a, as iconic scene from the first one. If you haven't watched it, spoilers. But they cut them, you know, in half. My beloved Catherine Corcoran. Yes. She did a movie with one of my beloved directors, Eric Bloomquist, who directed me in Ten Minutes to Midnight. She was in a movie called Long Lost, and remarkable actress. Nobody's going to say she doesn't have chops, but. Chaps. 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 Um, yeah, I, it's just uh, everything is so 
that scene in Terrifier 2 where Art is sitting on the bed and the woman appears to be dead and she's bisect. She's like, she looks like one of the crime scene photos from Whitechapel back in the, with. The, with, Br- the British release with David Tennant? No, with with uh, Jack the Ripper. Oh, have yes, you seen those I crime scene that. photos? And actually, they when I spaghetti sauce, <laughs> and <laughs> that's what she and that's what that woman in two was in that bed, and that freaked me out, man. Yeah, because talking to Damien a couple years ago, last year, it's been so it's, it's gone by in a blast. I know. Yes, uh, Damien is is like they deconstructed. They see the final thing, and like, okay, so how do we get to that? So he steps it backwards from the finished product. That's how we got to that. He's the new Savini. He, he really is. He has got. I'm very curious what Terrifier Three is going to be. And I love my Tom. And Tom, you know, let's face it, he was like the Benjamin Franklin of special oh, effects. Oh, so much. Him with so many of those guys back in the early '80s, late '70s. Um, you know, they hung the key on the kite. They did. They did. Well, and speaking of independent films, you're actually in a film we had here last year, uh, Blind. With Sarah French, yes. and we had the whole crew here. Sure. So, how is it on on on? Or excuse me, Pretty Boy, uh, and how is it working on that and doing that and doing independent film in general? Indies get very dodgy, and because there's so little money, every single shot has to count. Now, if it's <laughs> Talk digital, about money shot, right? Yeah, if it's digital. That's great because you really do. It gives you it gives you broad latitude, I, and the movie in indie film that I would really go to that's even indier than Blind is called Cuddly Toys, and the young director Kansas Bowling is this gorgeous young girl uh, that I met uh, on a Sharknado Four red carpet, um, but she has done this movie Cuddly Toys. I knew I was in the right place when I walked to walk onto the set, and she is shoulders up in a duvetine bag, loading 16 millimeter film into mags. Holy crap! She does not shoot digital; she shoots film. So if something fucks up, it's fucked up. So she's a real purist, like Tarantino, Scorsese. Uh, Tarantino. She is a she is a devo, uh, uh, Tarantino's her mentor. Yes. She was. She and her sister, uh, Parker Love Bowling, uh, played twins in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and her film Bonafides. I meet this girl at her twenty first birthday, and. We talked about film into the night, and she is Warhol, and yet trying to get money because of the way she shoots on film, not digital. Getting those financial commitments is nearly impossible. And I mean, if you've seen my resume, if you go on IMDb, I've got a very long resume. Some of the films are good, some of the films are bad. You're rolling the dice a little bit with indie film. Sharknado 4. <laughs> All the way to 10, my son. Oh, my God. <laughs> All the way to 10. Was it fun on that? I mean, I, I, I stopped at one. I'm sorry. i just like, no, this is just ridiculous. Dude, I have a home at the asylum. I love those people. They are staunchly indie. They don't let anybody intimidate them or try to shut down their shoots. They continue on. 
I currently have a movie called Megalodon, The Frenzy. Yeah, I saw that. Where I am the chief scientist. And the thing is, the, the asylum is such absolute absurdity. It is so absurd that you can't not like it. They're so bad, they're good. Um, and I've done four films, I think, for the asylum. Yeah, yeah. But they've given me a very nice home, and they give me a nice paycheck. So I, you know, hey, as long as the check's clear. And the Sharknado guy is Anthony C. Ferrante, and he truly is a very gifted director. I mean, it, it is a very creative film. I just, I mean, it just got past the point. I mean, even like it gets stupid. I gets understand. St- Death Proof is like almost more realistic than you know some of the Sharknado <laughs> stuff. So you're just like, oh my exactly. god. Exactly. Um, but dealing in that world, I mean, is, are you, do you want to do more slasher, more gruesome or more horror comedy or, I mean, where do you want to like kind of direct your reawakening and your, your rebranding? I like good films and that's all I like. And for me, it starts with the words. It starts with the writing. It starts with what's written. And if the writer comes up with a great story that goes in directions you don't expect, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go. Unfortunately, most of the time, you're not going to find that. That's Has there been one that has done that to you where you're reading it and you're like, oh, good Lord? Well, I mean, I do love, I'm partial to 10 Minutes to Midnight. We, a bunch of us watched it last night. And it's, it's a weird movie, but I could hear the audience appreciating the strange diversions and the strange directions that the story took. And I also got to be the lead. And women my age in horror can play leads. Absolutely. You can absolutely do that. And, um, you know, I, it, it gives me a credibility that I would not have out in the standard film world where I have to compete against really big names. Well, and do you think working within the horror genre, it, it's helped cultivate and grow to other opportunities you didn't expect? I, it, it definitely gives you job security, number one. And a lot of that comes from the conventions. Because more than any other style of film, we're accountable directly to our fans. They, they are much closer. Because let's face it, if you went to a fan expo, you know, the photo op, they just boom, boom, boom. like you And know. Comic-Con and shit like that. You're yeah. not going to have a conversation with anybody. No. But when you're at a con like this and somebody says, you know, I don't like the Rob, Rob Zombie films, you know, and they're sophisticated. Many people here want to be filmmakers. They're writers. They're composers, sculptors, uh, actors, you name it. Um, and they have a fairly sophisticated view of, of what happens when you're trying to make a movie. Some of them are very diabolical and very calculating. It's, it's impressive when you, you know, you're sitting there talking to someone across the table who's, you know, in a hoodie and sweatpants and right. delivers like this opal of in knowledge. Right. Well, it's, it's uh, I mean, I love our genre. I feel very lucky to be situated where I am at this point in time. And, um, you know, I don't think I can really ask for much more. I mean, you know, even with the strike going on, people are still lining up their films. Yeah. And I mean, and, I know Neil Gaiman didn't stop writing just because of the strike. So I heck mean, no. everybody's just packing stuff in. Um, yeah. When you're watching a film like 10 Minutes of Midnight amongst the fans or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what's, what's that experience like? 
for you? Well, it's I, I feel self-conscious on the one hand and, because I want them to like it. Of course. And then on the other hand, um, it's one of the most comfortable places to be. Because if any group of people are going to get what it is they're watching, it's going to be a horror film group. Right. All right. Can you talk about what's coming up for you? You can't. You can't. It's fine. Not really. Okay. I do have more cons. I'm going to be Yeah, where's doing... your next... What's the next stop on the bus? Next stop is Sioux Falls. It's either Sioux Falls or Sioux City. That's, it's a Sioux. That town shuts down at like 8 or 9 o'clock. What are you going to do with the rest of your time? I've never even been there. I'm going to eat bacon. <laughs> well, there's always room for bacon. Always. <laughs> and uh, once I'm done with Sioux Falls, I go to New York for a little thing. Um... And then I'm going to have Monster Palooza in LA. Monster Palooza is huge. Huge, and Bill Mosley will be there with me, and nice. Sam Raimi will be there, and uh, so that's going to be fun. And then right after that, I go to te uh, Lake Jackson, Texas, with Alan Danziger, nice. who we love, who has been absolutely adorable this weekend. He's so sweet. Who, He's lovely. Who has been the most fun for you to work with? I mean, you've had such a Beautiful career. I mean, who stands out? You're like, God, if I could only work with this person again. Gosh. It's less about working with somebody again and more, who can I work with that I haven't worked with? Really? Who do you want to work with? I would love to work with James Duval. Mm. I would love to work with uh, Catherine Corcoran, my adored Catherine Corcoran. Um, I would like to work with Kevin Bacon. There goes bacon again. Uh, there goes bacon again. <laughs> again, always room for bacon. But yeah, Kevin is just so fun watching him and his wife do farm stuff. They don't run away from stuff. No, they, they don't. They're not embarrassed. They no. dig their, they dig. They do. Kira Sedgwick and him just like, you know, doing their yeah. thing. They don't care. Yeah, they're totally, all. they're totally great. Yes. Um, there are so many actors, actors within our genre Really, really good actors, and uh, those are the ones I'm scouting for. All right. Um, we do have people. Would you want to take questions from them? Or I can, we can just keep bullshitting, but, I mean, there's probably... If somebody wants to ask something, they can. somebody out there in the seas of thousands and millions at home watching this, would you like to know what Carolyn is thinking right now? <laughs> That's a good a, German accent, Yeah, Dave. yeah, I tried. I, I was doing Udo the other day, and that's just the stupidest question. Why? No, next question, please. I don't want to ask that. You, you, you tie me with some God, if I questions. could work opposite Schwarzenegger. I would love. I love watching talk about someone that on their Twitter and like landscape Whoa. stuff that they got going on. He has burrows that come into it, like jacket, you know, like horses coming into his house to get fed by him and all what of that. What happens when that animal takes a shit? I, exactly right. Then what do you do? You call That's the clean up all day. Uh, you call the agent. Hey, get rid of this shit, man. <laughs> Oh, so much hanging, low hanging fruit. I just love like his workout routine because he was in the the kitchen making his protein drink. And how do you get the protein into the muscles like right away? Schnapps, and he like pulls off this thing. Schnapps. Dumps a whole ah. liter of schnapps into his protein drink, mixes it up, and just ah, and then takes this big old smoke from a cigar. And I mean, how he gets away with the cigars? It, also, well, it blows my mind. His new series on Netflix. He's walking around with a cigar lit, and and even in like his new documentary it's a three-parter he's all like i just smoked the cigars waiting for someone to tell me that i can't 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, at I'm this point, there. I ain't going there with him. Yeah. I mean, it's just great to see how much he loves life and the fans, and he's he's very, very ingratiating. I'd love to work with so I, if I get to interview Schwarzenegger. Can you imagine how much fun that would be? Oh, my God. Well, number one, you would never say a word. No. Because once he's off, once he's launched, it, done. There's... Headed for the stratosphere. It's, it's like interviewing Kevin Smith. You just you like get, say three words, and 45 minutes later, you're like, oh, shit, well, it's time to go. There you, you are. Exactly. But, yeah, if I could interview Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger, that would, that would be – because I, I have to give the Arnold impersonation to oh, him. God, he's fabulous. Do it. Do it. Yeah. That, please, I want to interview Arnold. Come sit on the stage. We'll so talk good. to you. Talky talky, muscles, snakes, everything single really wonderful. Oh, cigar. I already have a cigar with me all the time. At all times, I have My a cigar. God. Just in case. You take this. So, uh, so we have a question. Are you ready for a question? Yeah. By the Every, guy everyone's who runs like, the great, show. we came to listen to Carolyn and you're giving us bad Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, <laughs> let's, let's talk to some people in the audience, shall we? We are going to take the first question from the fan favorite, Brett Leader One. Here yes, he comes. you raised your hand. You got, you got a question, sir. I can see it. Here you go. Awesome to have you here this whole weekend. Well, thank you, Brad. I was wondering when you got the role for TCM2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, had you seen the first one? And then what, that's the first part. And then what was it like with it being such a departure from the first one and all that underground running around and all the crazy scenes in that film? Um, well, first of all, yes, I Good had question. seen the first one. I saw it in 1974, Texas OU weekend. Somebody had a bootleg copy, and they were projecting it on a sheet in the backyard where they were throwing their party. So I saw, okay. we walk in, I'm with my boyfriend, who's like fabulous, and we walk in, and at that moment, Pam is being put on the hook. And I just went... Oh, that's a hell of an entrance. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I never saw a complete script all the way through until I'd been hired. They, because I did my audition, I read my thing, they did hair and makeup tests. Um, you know, they didn't give a fuck if I read it. <laughs> well, so they're, they're going to kill you anyway, right? So they figured, like, you know, the... Well, the, the... I, and that's the other thing. I didn't know whether I would die or not. So as we go, you get the little cheat sheets. They give you... The, you know, the, the cliff notes for that day. Yeah. And so you read it for that day, and you see what's going to go... Uh, what's going to happen. And for me, everything was easily manageable until we got to the bucket scene. And... The, the first lady brought me my sides and handed me my panties. <laughs> so I was wearing a pair of little red panties with black roses on them. Because it was going to show. And the, the shorts are little tiny shorts, as we know. And uh, I went, oh, no. Is my mom going to see this? <laughs> and then I thought, oh, hell no. She's not going to see this. She's not going to come to a movie like this. Like, not a chance. Yeah. When you were doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, how much of the first one were you worried about or thinking about or what was going through your mind? Did you ever really worry about the previous one? I had not seen the first one all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, it's a scary as fuck film, man. It's just so scary. To this day, it scares the heck out of me. Exorcist does the same thing. Omen does the same thing. But... Um, 
Now I watch it for Christmas every single year, but at the time, you know, um, I had no idea the humor was going to be so bent and twisted. Uh, all I knew is I was the lead, and I was going to be working hard, and it was going to be very physical, and I had to work with the stunt team. And the, believe it or not, the stunt team, that was training. That was like training. Okay. So I had to put a lot of, of uh, time uh, into those efforts. Um, but the truth of the matter, every day we got these sides, we got these pieces of script, and it was just so fun. That massive, it was a palace the, the underground lair was a palace. The, uh, Carrie White was our art director, and he had gutted the interior of the Austin American Statesman press uh, building, meaning where the, the paper runs through the rollers and it goes all over, and there were offices in there, all that stuff. He gutted the whole thing. He sprayed gunite inside of the whole thing, and then he decorated that whole thing. Every square inch of that place. So he did it all on his own. He didn't have a team or nothing? He definitely had a team, but it was his vision. Wow. That's an amazing vision. That's a ballsy vision. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why whenever the opportunity arises to do a screening with some of the fans or whatever, I always watch it again all the way through. Because I marvel at the incredible people that were a part of the film. In the back of your mind, were you hoping you made it to the end? Or the final girl? Well, I, you know, I knew Marilyn did, but I thought, how is she going to live through all this? I mean, all the stuff going down, the weapons and the scary and the chop top and, oh, my God. I th but then when you see how Leatherface is so kind of, you know, simpy and... Sporadic and inconsistent. I thought, eh, okay. But I I'll be honest with you, two weeks into the film, they wanted to shoot the end, the chainsaw dance at the end. So two weeks in, I knew I lived, but they wanted me to dance at the edge. It's like right there. There's the edge. And it drops three floors. And all they had down below was a bunch of cardboard boxes covered with furniture pads. It's not a big, it, it, it's not Dar Robinson taking a dive into, you know, a blow up. Thing, right. You know? Yikes. And I, I had never held a running chainsaw in my life. I had no idea what to do. I, I was scared of it. And so I said to Toby, I said, Toby, I'm not ready. I, 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 I don't know how to do this dance, and it's a running chainsaw. scared the, the shit out of me. And Toby, well, go the fuck home then. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> and so they drove me back to the, the, the apartment complex where we were all living at the time. They drove me back, and I called my agent, and I said, I think I'm fired. You know, I've only been working two weeks. You know, when you shoot film, once you're committed two weeks in, you're pretty committed. They're not really going to fire you. I was only two weeks in. And yet, the next morning, they knocked me up. Got to go to work. Hey, here's your call. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank God. I'll do it now. <laughs> I'll be enthusiastic. I promise. No problem, Mr. Scorsese. <laughs> Uh, anyone else have a question? Come on, this room is big. Hey. Yeah, yeah. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? So last night we had the pleasure of watching um, Ten Minutes of Midnight with you, which was awesome. Great Thank movie. you. And and everybody should go check it out. It's really really good. Um, the character Amy is also a radio DJ. Yeah. Very much in the vein of Scratch, kind of revisiting that and um, great like themes all the way through about you know. 
Age of Mortality, all those things. Great movie, loved it. What I was curious about is tongue-in-cheek kind of thing of you playing kind of a evolved version of the previous character. If you had a choice to play any character from literature or anything like that, if you were, if you had your, you know, make a wish, you get to pick the character you want to portray. What would you want to do? Who, who would you want to take a, take a chance at performing this? Honestly, I don't think it's been written yet. I mean, I would love for somebody to write something. The thing that I loved about 10 Minutes to Midnight is, like you said, it takes on the themes that never crossed Stretch's mind in, the, in Chainsaw. You know, there's an, she was never going to age. She was never going to, nothing. You know, 10 Minutes to Midnight does deal with death, aging, transition, change, and, and in ways that are very sad and scary and, uh, and frequently are imposed by other people. And you, you realize how little control you do have over your life and your mortality. And playing a character like that keeps you on the edge. And the thing that was great about that director, he was right here next to the lens the whole time. He talked to me. He talked me through. I didn't want to be do, giving Carolineisms or stretch or any of that shit. Because if you're an actor, you've got little default mechanisms, little things that you do. Little comfort things, your, your, your repeat, your muscle memory. Yes, yes, that's it. And um, I did not want that to be there. And Eric Bloomquist made sure that that was not there. And he really talked me through it. Um, one of the other things that I, uh, challenges about that movie that I loved that I got um, is they take the character of Amy back to her beginnings of her radio DJ career. And you see very clearly she is not Stretch. And you see her relationship with Bob, the man that she has a 30-year affair with. And I got to play someone who, while in the movie I play somebody 50, they take me back 30 years to play somebody 2021. 20, and you can't really use makeup and costuming and things, or it's obvious and it doesn't work. So with lighting and, and uh, camera work, and of course my director's impeccable direction, I got to play somebody in, in the past, being, being, you know, starting, starting at the beginning. It was one of the greatest moments I've ever had. Did you, in your mind, as you're doing that then, have like a, a final destination in your mind as far as how this character is going to progress, being regressed so much? Uh, a part of what made the script so amazing is we take Amy through her very first day on the job and she got that job by fucking her boss. But she's in love with her boss. And he's not the ugly, scary, horrible guy at the end. He's a young, good-looking, sexy dude at the beginning. And I, I modulated my voice differently. I pitched it up a little bit higher without sounding obvious, I don't think. Um, I kept all my physical movements, my head movements, my facial movements very restricted and refined and small, big eyes, tried to have those big eyes. But when the scene transitions, you go from something romantic and beautiful and wonderful with Bob to she drops the necklace he's given her as a gift. She drops it. So she goes down on the floor to try to find it, and this wolfish 
monstrous, scary Bob comes out and snap, you're back in the present day. It's, the writing is brilliant. The, the writing, everything about the movie is really good. It's really good. It's very different from anything you're going to see. Yes, and that transition, it, I mean, it's, it's jarring. It is disjointing like, holy crap. And just to be shot forward so fast, it's actually very brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Mr. Crozier had a question. Oh. You raised your hand. No, I, I, I Oh, you're just sitting, I, no, uh, my arm's sitting. falling asleep. Smurf, you're boring us. He was, exactly just, <laughs> he was just lounging. Yeah, he's just lounging. I'm lounging, just uh, taking on the, you know, the, the presence of Carolyn. Yes. <laughs> Did you have a question for Carolyn? Not, not at the moment. Not at the moment. You're, you're All talking right. to a guy who already hasn't there. really slept in some Well, I mean, none of us have. Dude, neither have I. Yes. <laughs> Anyone else have a question Hello, for Carolyn? Hello, Altitude. Yes. Anyone else got a question? Yes, going, going, all right. That's Smurfy. All the questions from the audience. So it's back to you and I as we close out this wonderful weekend. We you are our final, you are our final girl for this oh year. Oh my God. Power Festival Horror. Dude, seriously. Seriously. Amazing. We close it out, which is nice and if someone wanted to stalk you on the stalk me? Yes, on the social media type stuff. Where do they need to go? Where's your Twitter, your your face I have no Facebook, but how do I they have no Facebook. You? Uh Willie Caroline, W I L L I C A R O L I N E for both Twitter and uh Instagram. Nobody's ever stalked me. I got my first dick pic this morning. Oh, no. Sorry. There about were that. actually two. My bad, it was supposed to go somewhere else. <laughs> I saw the stamps. <laughs> I thought, is he shipping? Yeah. Well, you know, we got to go somewhere sometimes. Sometimes so, you got to do you know, something. You got to do something. You gotta, you That's know, a Nari. Got to spice it up. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm knocking wood because I know stories. There are stories out there that are terrible. And thank God, none of that has happened to me. Well, that's, that's saying something. So uh, any final thoughts? Anything you'd like to relay to the, the millions of fans around the world? I have had the loveliest weekend this weekend because of all of you. Again, see? <laughs> Bring it right back to tears. But it's the truth. Without the fans and without the dedication you showed to the genre, I don't have anything. I don't have a career. I'm just one of, one of those actors trying to get some fucking gig instead of having actually a very nice home with all of you. Oh, well, thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. Everybody, thank that's you. the end of this interview. Thank you so much. In the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. Woo!